Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Micah Shepline, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. Amen. So what we've been doing for the last few weeks, and really this is about the third week we've talked about it, is talking about under the microscope, not the telescope, the microscope. Now, Many of you guys, the reason we kind of came up with this concept, and Pastor Mike hit on it a little bit, but we've talked about temptation, and last week we talked about idolatry. If you haven't looked, you can go on our YouTube, Road to Life Church, um, on YouTube, and look at past messages that are archived. They're all good, in my opinion. (laughs) That was also a joke. (laughs) Testing engagement, once again. Anyway, um, but with that, um, we've been taking words that are like pretty Christian words, And essentially, Christian words within the meaning of like, when I say them, there's a preconceived construct of what that word stands for. So like, if I say the word faith, most of us have a knowledge or an understanding that's relative to what that is that we've defined within our own reasoning. And so when I say like salvation or Jesus, right, we all have these words that they obviously mean something to us, but at the same time, it's not that there's a failure to engage them, but there's a a reality that we think we already know everything that that word is. Does that make sense? That when, when we talk about spiritual terms or spiritual phrases or spiritual words, is that it's just very easy for us to be like, oh, well, I know what that word is. And so the word today is holiness. Now, we spelled it a little differently, and they're going to change it. John is on it this morning. I love you, John. Um, so with that, we're talking about holiness. Now, what is, what is holiness? Now, if I were to look at you and say, you know, how many of us are holy in here? Like, obviously, there's a level of like, like, oh, that's kind of an interesting question to ask, right? If I lined us all up, I'm like, you holy? You holy? Yes or no? You holy, right? We're all like, okay, I... What does that really mean within the context? Because it is talked about in scripture. What is holiness? You know, when when we think about that term, but here's what you have to realize is holiness and that word are spelled differently. Holiness is really H-O-L-Y-N-E-S-S. But this one is different and really it it comes from this passage of scripture that we're going to talk about today. But for me, I think a lot of the reason that we don't really associate with that term holiness is because it really seems like a super high up Christian term. I mean, the definition actually of holiness is it means set apart, unique, consecrated, or distinct to look at. So when that's actually uttered within the scriptures, what it's saying is it's, it's talking about someone or something that is set apart, unique, consecrated, or distinct within the appearance of. Now, Holiness, W-H-O-L-L-Y, means entirely, fully, completely, totally, absolutely, thoroughly, and utterly. Now, I'm going to introduce a thought today, and that thought really is this. We're going to read some passages of Scripture that talk about holiness, the set-apart, unique, distinct in appearance and to look at. We're going to read some passages of Scripture that talk about that. But what you actually find out is that holiness really is shaped around the wholeness of you following God. And here's the thing. I believe most of the time in church what happens is is we have these moments where we go, you know, we can sing holy like it was sung there. And we immediately just associate, okay, God is holy, but I live in a fallen world. I'm sinful. I'm all of these things. But really when we say holy, it's a question not of being set apart or sacred, but it's a question of 
Are we wholly following him? Utterly invested, complete in him. Are we thoroughly engrossed in the personhood and the lifestyle of him? See, these are the things that I think about a lot because once again, when we think about these terms, it's very easy to distance ourselves with an attribute of Christ because he's Christ. He's Jesus. There's no way I could ever be that. But really what holiness starts with is the whole of who you are recognizing where you are, but at the same time looking and saying, okay, God, you can permeate and thoroughly be everything that I am and I want to pursue you in that. See, I think a lot of the times it's just so easy to say, I want to be holy, I want to be set apart, but I don't want to have a lifestyle that constitutes what that means. And so today we're going to be talking about that lifestyle, but before we do, I think that a lot of this sermon and a lot of what we're talking about today kind of stems from this Reasoning as it pertains to Christianity, where most of the time, in my opinion, when I see people come to Christ, meaning saying, okay, I want to make a declaration to follow Jesus my entire life, it comes from a place of need. It comes from a place of desperation. It comes from a place of your rock bottom. It comes from a place of us saying, you know what? I'm done living for myself. I need to figure something else out because it's not working. And that is completely healthy and okay to do. However, the process of following God is in the, in the beginning when there's such need and desperation. It's easy to give yourself up for the sake of something that could lead you into better. But what happens when better is met? What happens when needs are met? What happens when life is good? See, that's where, in my opinion, it's truly defined if you follow Christ. What happens when you don't necessarily need him within the gravity of maybe a need that you once had? Do you still pursue? What happens when he had a breakthrough that nobody else could do, but that was years ago, and life's been good for a while? See, wholeness and holiness, these things, the whole self devoted to Christ, no matter where we are and what we're doing, set us up for the holiness that he wants for us. But it actually is found within these ebbs and flows and not this, okay, God, I don't need you. So because I don't need you in the way I needed you the day before, I'm not actually committed to you in my here and now. You know, a few years ago, and this is, in all honesty, I would say is a, is a not a frustration, but a difficult place is because you see people who God does incredible things for that because of it, for a season of their life, they follow God wholeheartedly and with everything they are. However, what happens is, is once life gets good, well, we don't really, it's, it's good now. I don't want to do the uncomfortable of following God. I don't really want to, you know, set aside this time of, of pursuit. I don't really want to prioritize community. I don't want to really prioritize really God getting into the nitty gritty of my soul and continuing to refine me. He's met the need and therefore I don't need the need meter anymore. And really over the course of time, what I see a lot of the times is people who God gets them out of something and when he gets them out, their character won't sustain them to continue going because the habits that got them out, they don't adopt for a lifestyle, they adopt for a season. And then what happens is, is that season passes and those lifestyle choices aren't the same anymore. And then all of a sudden, God, the only way he can get their attention, that that lifestyle needs to be reevaluated and his priority re-implemented is by bringing them back to a place of great need. 
and maybe some of us have been through this in our lives, is God meets a need, everything is going incredible, and then all of a sudden he's backburnered, and then guess what? You're back to this place of needing God again, and a lot of it is rooted in when he met the need, you stopped needing him. And then when you stopped needing him, he had to remind you that he's your sustainer. And guess what? The only way he could do that is through your situation and circumstance because that's how we perceive spirituality. The goodness of God is only good when it's good. No, the goodness of God is good when it's good and when he consistently can pick you up out of the bad. See, that is the goodness of God is that when you walk away based off of what he got you through and now you don't necessarily need him and then when he reintroduces the need, he's still the same. He still loves. He still has grace. He still pursues your heart. See, holiness is not this sacred and set apart ritualistic thing. Holiness is your entire being devoted to him. Holiness is you making the choice to be fully and completely his. Holiness is us absolutely and entirely basing our existence off of him. That is holiness. See, some of us, the sacred and set apart aspect, we don't think we'll ever attain to. And that's because we're looking through the lens of not actually being completely devoted. See, that feels distant and not attainable because our lifestyle doesn't merit it actually being able to be placed on our lives. And so today what I want to challenge us is, see, for Christians, it's easy for us to say, God, make me set apart, make me unique, make me consecrated, make me distinct to look at. It is a whole nother thing entirely to live a fully, completely, totally, absolutely, entirely, fully, once again, I said that twice, and thoroughly, utterly existence revolving around him. You know, a few years ago, there was a guy who came here and uh, this was probably five or six years ago. He walked up to me after service. And this was when we had Saturday night services. And he looked at me and he said, hey, I really need prayer. Things are going pretty rough in my life. I lost my job. My girl left me. I've been dealing with substance abuse and, and just different addiction stuff. And I have, I've been living in my car. It's February at this time. I've been living in my car for three weeks. I've got no food, nothing. I remember the Lord said, and this is another sermon for another time. He said, will you pray for me? And the Lord's like, you can pray for him, but you're also going to be the answer to his prayer. And I remember I prayed for him, and the Lord said, that your rental house that you're working on right now, he's going, I want you to tell him he can move in and take care. So I looked at him, and I said, hey, here's the deal, man. I've got a flip house I'm working on. It's pretty awful. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> I'm like, but it's got heat, and it's got a shower, and it's got half of a floor in the bathroom. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, is that a joke? No, it's not. Um, I'm like, it's, it doesn't have a kitchen, but it has a grill because I'm really good at grilling. And who needs a kitchen when you got a grill? Can I get an amen? <laughs> Woo, all the men in here are like, let's go. Oh, right. right? I'm like, it's got a grill. It's got running water. You'll be fine in there. And immediately he just breaks down. He's crying. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. We went and got him some groceries. I moved him in. And the trade-off was this is I wanted five applications per week of every job that you're applying for until you get some. And until then, you're actually going to trade me about five to 10 hours worth of work while I'll give you a list and you knock it out. And so for, and, and with that, there was another step to live in my house. There's rules and we're committed to the church. We're going to do a Bible reading plan together. We're just, I'm a walk with you and I want to see you get better. So over the course of this, over the course of time, this guy got a job. He actually got two jobs. 
and then he actually bought a nicer car than I had, which I was like, how does this work? <laughs> You're not paying rent, but you got a brand new $40,000. Anyway, um, but he's coming to church. He's volunteering. He's doing really well. And for three, four months, he's doing like incredible. I'm like, dang, God, okay. You know, we're doing great. And then all of a sudden work started calling and saying, hey, can you work on the Sundays? And then all of a sudden works, and then all of a sudden it was Sundays, and now I don't really got time for my Bible either. And I know you told me I wasn't supposed to have any girls over, but I'm having some girls over. I know you told me not really to have any of the stuff that I struggled with around in your house, but, you know, I just got, it's just easy. And then over the course of time, it was actually funny. Uh, one of the last times he was at my house, I was talking to him because he had a girl, and I said, hey, man, I thought we talked about no girls in the house. For one, because that's something you've struggled with. For two, because there should not be a girl in this house. Have you seen this thing? <laughs> like, I'm talking, it was rough, right? I'm like, don't, it, no offense, I don't live in the secular, don't bring a girl home, but don't bring her home to this. <laughs> like, dude, like, that'd be one thing, like, yeah, peace, you know. Um, and uh, he looked at me and he goes, you know, I think this is the one. I said, well, how do you know? He said, well, we, we just really hit it off. I said, well, where'd you guys meet? He said, well, there's this app called Plenty of Fish. I said, did you, did you say plenty of fish, like plenty of fish in the sea? He said, yeah, why? What does that mean? I said, when you say that term, it's typically when something bad has happened and you go, oh, there's plenty of other fish in the sea. I'm like, so would you say that that would be something like, oh, I met this girl, like, oh, there's plenty of fish in the sea. I got one. It's like, that's not, I, I mean, no offense, I would not be telling people that's your background. Like, make something up. Make something, anything at this point. Like, do not tell people plenty of fish is how you reeled in a fish. <laughs> but long story short, he actually ended up getting a place with this girl. And really, after he got the place, I never saw him again. I haven't, I haven't seen him but one time, probably about six months to eight months later, we have dodgeball devos and donuts that go on at the schools before um, school starts. And I was driving to school, and it was probably February. It was probably 15 degrees outside snowing. And as I'm pulling into a school, I see him walking because I caught him with my headlight, and I recognized him immediately. I see him walking at 6.30 in the morning on the side of the road in a snowstorm. And I remember running inside telling people, hey, I'm going to be late, so hold, it, hold down the fort. I got to go talk to this guy. When I got out there, he was gone. But it was interesting because the, the microcosm that it looked like was, I'm in trouble. I need help. I'll do anything. And then changing behaviors, changing habits, cutting out the stuff that he needed to cut out, doing the things that get your soul and your heart right. And then you get to that level. And instead of sustaining what got you out of the bottom, you return to the behaviors and habits of what got you to the bottom. And I want to encourage you, the last time I saw him was not on the up and up. It looked like it was heading back to where it was when I first met him. And it's super sad in the church to see people who God gets out of things that are absolutely unbelievable situations and circumstances and does extraordinary and incredible things in the face of great need. And then after a few years when we just forgot about it, we go back to the very thing 
that put us in the bottom of the barrel. And today the challenge with holiness is us realizing that we are created to be set apart, to be consecrated, to be looked at like, wow, there is something different about that person. But you better believe it will start with your entire being, your fully focused attention, the very essence of who you are. It'll start with thoroughly. It'll start with utterly. It'll start with completely. It will start with all of that, and it must stay that way. Because if all we want is the utter, fully, completely, everything God has for us to get us out of a situation, but not to become our lifestyle, we never will taste the holiness that he has for our lives. So with that, I want to read a couple passages of scripture because mainly these, if you read in 1 Peter, there's some great, great passages all about holiness. And Peter, I would say, is a good voice to hear from on the matter considering he walked with Jesus. But for me personally, is actually when you read these verses, what you find is that holiness, consecrated, set apart, uh, insane to look at, that, that it's talking about that holiness, is actually married with the holiness that we're talking about. And for some of us, I think a lot of the times, like I said, in Christian culture, is the whole, it's easy to pray for the holiness and it's a whole nother thing to be wholly focused on him. So first Peter, it actually says this one, verse 13 to 16, therefore prepare your minds for action and become sober-minded. Set your hope fully, I love that because we already know that's a definition of the other holiness, fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions, listen to this, of your former ignorance. Since it is written, you shall be holy as I am holy. You shall be holy as I am holy. Now pause, we're going to actually backtrack. John, sorry, I missed a passage of scripture in Numbers 8, 14 to 16. Now, this entire sermon comes from Numbers 8, the entire thing. Because what you see, and once again, I can't re-reference everything from last week, but if you want, give last week's message a lesson, is Jesus takes, or God takes his chosen people out of Israel. He's bringing them into the promised land, and what he does is he separates them into 12 tribes. And in separating them into 12 tribes, he chooses one tribe that will forfeit all of the stuff. And the one thing they're going to get is just God. And what I mean by that is everybody was following God, but they were going to be the, tempers, the, the temple keepers. They were going to be the priests. They were going to be the ones allowed into the Holy of Holies. They were going to be the one tribe, and they were called the Levites, that forfeited the right to land in the promised land because they, their land was the temple. It was the priesthood. And so actually what we find in Numbers is God's giving a description of what the Levites are going to be doing. And this is the very first instance of the temple structure and really what we would classify kind of as the church structure in the Old Testament. So in Numbers 8, it says this, Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the people of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. And after that, the Levites shall go in to serve at the tent of meeting. Now the tent, if you know this, we talked about it last week. They were wandering in the wilderness, so it wasn't a stationary building. It, the temple was something they set up and tore down. And so it says, um, and after that, the Levites shall go into serving at the tent of meeting. When you have cleansed them and offered them as a wave offering. Now listen to this. The whole sermon comes from this. For they are wholly given to me from among the people of Israel. 
They are wholly given to me. You know, the, the number one basis, the starting point of the Levitical line is wholly given. See, a lot of us, most of us are like, okay, if you were to ask me, how could you get into ministry or how could you really follow God or, or even if you, whatever it looks like within, okay, I want a relationship, I want salvation, I want to preach, I want to serve, I want this. Are you wholly given? Everything you are given to God. Because if not, that cycle I talked about earlier, that'll be a cycle you live in where you're aware of God in a season and then when the needs are met and everything's good, you're maybe not as aware. And then guess what? Life has a way of reminding you that you're not the one in control. See, to be wholly given, that is the starting place of the Levitical line. If you look throughout the Old Testament, the major, the minor prophets, these people came from the Levitical line. The Levitical line is essentially the consecrated, the set apart, the Leviticus 9.2, be holy as I am holy. That's what we're talking about once again when we jump back Sorry, John, 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, where it said in verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also should be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy as I am holy. That's a reference to Leviticus 9, 10. The book of Leviticus was given to the Levites to govern and as a standard of how to live. So what does it start with? Be holy given, and then... Be holy as I am holy. See, some of us, right, we want the holiness of God without the holy given part. We want all the benefits without any of the cost. We want everything that's good without anything that's bad. See, the Le Le Levitical line, where did it start with? Holy given. And then counted as holy because of that sacrifice. What have you sacrificed for him today? What have you given up to say, I'll give everything to you? Because that's how we're called to live. 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10. This is a great passage. It's probably known by people in this room. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Doesn't this entire passage sounds like a whole thing and not just a holy thing? That's what this entire passage is. Remember how it started. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people. Those that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his holy light. See, there is so many aspects of the whole of you within this that is referencing the holiness of him as well. You know, an interesting part about this passage is probably seven or eight years ago, a buddy of mine came to me. He said, hey, what's your favorite Bible verse? And I said, well, it's, uh, probably one of them is 1 Peter 2.9. He looked it up. A week and a half later, I saw him. We were at the beach and he had a new tattoo. First Peter 2, 9. I looked at him. I said, what does that, what's that mean to you? And he goes, he goes, I don't know, but it was a good verse. <laughs> and to this day, his name's Bobby Simons. To this day, if you walk up and you say, hey, Bobby, you know that verse? He'd probably look at you and be like, yeah, I know most of it. I know like maybe two lines or two words or two letters, you know, but it's just funny because the, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. So you guys can, you know, we'll get over that quickly. Um, but 
what, what I'm trying to say is this, is we're talking about holiness up here, but holiness starts with all of me right here. And with that today, I wanna just give us six quick questions to evaluate our holiness. These are gonna be quick. Because here's the deal, holiness today is, not, we're not talking about the sacred set apart. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the whole of you. Because once again, if I looked at you and said, you know, are you holy? In the beginning of the service, most of us would be like, wow, I may be struggling to understand that definition. But if I looked at you now and said, are you holy given to him? Are you holy following him? That maybe is a different conversation and that's okay. Because here's the deal, here, here at our church, we wanna encourage you. This isn't a place where we're looking for people to just cross the finish line. We're just as much for you at the beginning. And I want, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you have a place following Jesus. You have a place to follow him. But that's always gonna be not a Sunday choice, not a daily choice, but a moment by moment, breath in, breath out choice. And so what I wanna do is I just wanna give us six quick questions. And once again, this holy definition of entirely, fully, completely, totally, absolutely, thoroughly, utterly, this is what we're coming for today. This is the measuring stick today. This is our starting and ending place today. If I asked you if that is your spiritual lifestyle, would you be able to say yes? So with that, the first one, Six questions to evaluate your holiness. The first one, is there a time investment built into your lifestyle? And what you're gonna notice is I'm gonna tailor all of these around lifestyle because what's fascinating to me is we can say we can follow God on a Sunday morning and not have a lifestyle that says that Monday through Saturday. Or I should say Sunday afternoon through the next Saturday. Because lifestyle is what your time is made up of, what your choices are made up of, what your entire being is made of. You want to know who you are? Just look at what your time's in. So guess what? If I ask you, hey, is there a time investment into holy following God? Can you answer that yes? Because the time investment is not once a week. It's not twice a week. It's not three times a week. It's an awareness and a recognition that God wants relationship and you pursue that in a daily way. The second one, is there a family investment built into your lifestyle? You know, I talked about this probably like a year ago where I love reading kind of psychology books as, as it pertains to generational things within the church. Um, I love researching. There's a group called Barna Group that just writes incredible um, research work on it. But they were talking about the overcorrection of, of parenthood in today's world and essentially how um, each generation kind of whips back and forth. So you have a generation that was super heavy-handed. And so in being heavy-handed, what happens is, is those children who are raised in heavy-handed homes then withdraw from a, from a hands-on approach to their families, and they just kind of let them go. And then the ones that maybe grow up in a, in a not hands-on home, what they say is, well, I don't want my, my kids to make the same mistakes I do. So then they, they in turn live a heavy-handed lifestyle towards their children. And essentially what I'm saying is this, is in the Bible, it says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Can you say that over your home? I'm not talking about parent, parenting tactics. I don't have kids. I don't know it. But I know one thing, if I asked you, how well are you stewarding and owning that 
as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. What's your response? The third one is this. Is there a financial investment built into your lifestyle? Once again, I referenced this during uh, tithe a little bit earlier, but we can research giving from the earliest forms and inception of the church. You can research it. I mean, it's groundbreaking to me how much it is actually referenced within the Old Testament. Now pause, right? I said this earlier, the God of this world is money. I'm sorry, it is. That is what people seek, it's what people covet, it's what people revolve their entire existence around. So when you withhold the God of this world from the King of Kings, what you're saying to him is, I want to follow you, but I won't give up the gods of this earth. When you look at God and say, I'm following you, but not in my paycheck, what is value today? If I'm going to take my wife out, I don't take her to the cheapest spot and tell her, man, I really love you. I'm sorry, I don't, right? Because value is attached to money. And I wanna encourage as some of us were looking and saying, man, I really follow God, but I don't give. What you're saying is, yes, I follow God, but at the same time, this God still weighs heavy on me. The third one, is there a sweat equity investment? One of the most challenging things I've read in scripture recently was on um, the children of Israel, God says, I'm going to take you to the promised land. And in the way to the promised land, it gets so hard that they look at Moses and they say in three separate instances, I would rather be in slavery and in bondage than on this journey to the promised land. How, how insane does that sound? Is I would rather be a slave than free because this is so hard to get where you've called me to be. And literally Moses is like, this is a place flowing with milk and honey. This is a place that is incredible in every aspect. The 12 spies, when they brought back stuff from the land, they brought back grapes, figs. They brought back all the stuff. People are looking at the promised land, what it can produce. And they're also looking at the comfort of what slavery once was and saying, I'd rather have that. Man, for some of us, right, we get out of slavery and it's jubilee and it's awesome and it's everything that we want. And then guess what? When it starts getting hard, we go back and say, man, that wasn't actually that bad. I want to challenge us today. I want to challenge us today. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. But it's worth it. And some of us, all we measure is comfort and easy. And we forget that if we live in comfort and easy, we'll never have a life that's worth it. And I've challenged you today within your reasoning. Sweat equity investment is when you look at the bad habits and the comfortable mindsets and the easy things you choose the hard because you believe in the promise. That you can sit and say, I choose again and again and again to pursue God. I choose over my bondage, over my comfort, over my slavery, over my yesterday. I choose the promise. See, that's what sweat equity investment is. The fifth one is there a make a tough decision investment. See, some of us, we want to wholly follow God, but we haven't made a tough decision that's blocking the very route right in front of us, and we won't, and we wonder why we're not fulfilled. 
maybe some of us, it's, it's, a, it's a tendency that we have or, or an addiction or a bad habit or a way of thinking or a relationship. Some of us, we need to make a tough decision and then we can be wholly following him. But that tough decision is on you. See, nobody can make those tough decisions for you. But once again, it may be hard for a season, but it can be worth it. Most of the, the breakthrough in my life, I'm dead serious, I can place back to a decision that I did not want to make. I remember when I quit everything to go into ministry, I'm not talking money here, but just give an example, is when I quit everything, I was working and making good money and I went to making $900 a month. I was living on my own, I had a car finance, I went to $900 a month, I was making five times more than that. I did not wanna make that decision. And some of us, once again, we, we want everything within us to follow God, but we don't wanna make any decision that's hard to follow God. And the last one is this, is there a servant-hearted investment built into your lifestyle? What are we called to be servants? And for some of us, we wanna follow God, but we don't wanna serve. We don't wanna serve other people. We don't wanna serve our families. We don't wanna do anything outside of our construct of what we think we're created to do. I encourage you, serving can be the greatest reward if you actually lean into it. I'm not trying to hype myself up right now, but I was just in the bathroom, noticed some stuff on the urinals, and you better believe it, I wiped them all down before this service. Here's the deal, what's on this stage is not just on this stage. And I'm gonna tell everybody here that faith is not just what's on display, it's what's in your heart. And it must be everything all the time. That's what holiness is, the whole of you. So with that, we're just gonna take a couple minutes. They're gonna throw up some reflection questions. And really, this is two minutes, I promise. We're not going long today. Two minutes where we just look and say whether you want to write a note in your phone, write a note on a piece of paper, whether you want to take a picture, think about it. Maybe you're with your spouse or somebody you trust and want to have a conversation, but let's evaluate where we are currently so we can get better. That's what it's, you know what Sunday's about? Evaluating where we are, taking things that apply to us and determining to get better. Not getting better within the personal development sense, getting better as I am following and becoming more like Christ. So as I...